You are listening to a podcast from Vineyard Church of Augusta. For more information, visit vineyardaugusta.org. Welcome. I'm so glad you're here. My name is Mary Margaret Leroy, and I'm the um, kids pastor and outreach pastor as well. So, um, welcome. Really glad you're here. How was the snow? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's all I needed. It's all it's, I didn't need it. I am really happy to be snow free. But for those of you that need it, go fight win. Our poor dog, she, um, Roger put this beautiful thing on Facebook of his dog just running. It was like chariots of fire. My poor dog, like it's t- she got up, it was time to, to go out and to, you know, do her thing. And she goes to the end of the deck and then turns around and comes, no, 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 we're going out. So I escorted her out. So anyway, but for those of you that love snow, go fight win. I'm glad you liked it. So, so this morning, um, well, actually for the last several weeks, we've been exploring the five core values for the vineyard. And today I'm going to be talking to you about compassionate ministry. Now you might be thinking, didn't we just do this in November? Didn't we hear like three sermons on this in November? Didn't we just, didn't you just talk in November? Yes and no. Um, all those things are true, but today is more of a deep dive into the why um, we do these things. Um, so let's just kind of get lined up with values. Your own personal values, that is um, really how you develop your sense of self. And so for an organization, a church, a business, those core values um, really are the guiding light. Um, Forbes magazine last spring uh, published an article, Why Core Values Matter. Simply put, organizational culture is the collective result of how people on a team think and behave, their shared values, and how they react to internal and external stimuli. An organization's values should be the bedrock of why a company exists and how behavioral norms are defined and how decisions are made in order to achieve goals and fulfill vision. They must be authentic, relatively specific, and they have to actually resonate with the team. So all the ones that have been discussed so far, um, partnering with the Holy Spirit, uh, reconciliation, experiencing God in worship, the one we're going to talk about today, compassionate ministry, and then next week, the relevant mission, that's normal. That is the vineyard's normal. That guides us. This is just who we are. It's not just in November. That is like a special set-aside kind of sacred time for that. But all of these are all the time. And they are in all three buildings. And what I mean by that is this is big church because I'm kids pastor, so this is big church. We have kids church and then the youth primarily reside in that building over there. The values that we have talked about don't change. They're the same in the kids' building, in this building, and in that building. So just in, in a little bit, we'll, we'll kind of circle back around to that. But just so you know, these are not values that we just talk about in this space. Okay? Um, these are the skeleton uh, that we layer upon layer on layer that we, you know, that tells like the hows and the whys and the whats that we do. Engaging in compassionate ministry, that is how we react and respond to the external stimuli of poverty. Um, 
all of them really are the bedrock of why we exist because we do these things through the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. We can do all these things, an NGO can do all these things, but they're missing a beautiful component, and that is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. So um, I want you to think about engaging ministry and, and getting invited uh, to uh, engage in compassionate ministry like a party. Um, now, a really great party. Now, I don't know what that means for you, because some of you, a party might be sitting in those weird chairs playing video games with somebody a thousand miles away from you. Some of you, it might be like great food, great conversation. Others of you, it might be like really loud music and other things that we don't need to talk about here. So I, I don't know what your definition of party, but I want to tell you about one of the, oh, okay, I didn't think I was going to cry, but I brought my tissues just in case and my water, because I loved this party that I'm going to tell you about was my favorite party so far. Um, now, it's not to diss the wonderful parties that we have had and will continue to have to celebrate the birth of our children and the, and the birth of my spouse, but my favorite one was about three and a half years ago, and this party had a title. It was called, Mary Margaret Doesn't Have Cancer Anymore. <laughs> By far, my favorite party. Um, one of the fun things that I experienced um, while I was undergoing chemotherapy was I lost my sense of taste. And um, it was during the winter, and that's where the best food is, because all the fatty food and all that, I love that. <clears throat> and so Reese and I are, to put it mildly, persnickety about food. And like, you know how you don't wear a wool coat in July you don't do a big heavy stew in July, okay? So, you know, we're that way, okay? So whenever we do parties, they're thematic, the flavors have to balance, we've got a certain amount of savory, and so we are extra, okay? We're just that way. But for this party, because I missed the winter season of flavors, all of our food was heavy and fat and rich and chocolate and good. Our house was filled with laughter and so many people um, who, who well, I'm going to cry. Maybe not. Maybe when I, the, the tears get like stopped when I pull the tissue up. So it took a lot of people to keep our little um, tribe going during that. And the beautiful thing about it is so many of them didn't know each other. Well, at that party, they all got to know each other. So it was just a really great thing. I want you to think about compassionate ministry like that. It's a party that God is throwing for the lost, for the poor, for the outcast, and we get to go to it, and we get to throw it, and it is a good time. So um, last summer, we started, for the very first time, V-Kids um, Camps, and we did two sessions, uh, God in Art and God in Nature, and we're going to be doing those again um, this summer. In fact, registration is going to open in just a couple weeks, so keep your eyes open. But one of the things we did in uh, God in Nature, every week, or, I'm sorry, every morning, we started over at um, the Giving Farm, our on-site organic farm we have here. And the kids know that every single thing that is grown in that, on that farm goes to the storehouse, and it is given uh, to, to the clients that come through on Monday evenings or, or Thursdays. Um, it's everything from herbs to, I mean, it's just amazing what uh, 
comes out of that farm. And just kind of a side note here, I don't know how much you know about any food pantry, the 98% of the food, if not 100% of the food that is available is non-perishable. That means it's canned. That means it's not fresh. Um, But we are able to, through the power of and mercy and favor of God and this really great man, Elliot Price, we're able to give so much fresh produce to people. You need that. We, we, you need that. Anyway, so back on track here. So that last summer, um, and so Elliot had been, you know, teaching the kids about these things. Like, okay, today we are going to harvest from one of the raised beds and it's going to be potatoes, Okay, now, um, end of the story, we ended up harvesting 60 pounds of potatoes from that one raised bed. That's pretty magical. Yay, potatoes! So, okay, so he tells them what we're doing, and, you know, they're already, and there are plenty of adults right over there, so I turned around to, like, pick something up or do something, and all of a sudden, I hear this, ah, like, screaming. I'm just like, what happened? And so I turned around and they're all screaming and I don't see a snake. I don't see blood. I don't see fire. So I, there's this kid right there. I was like, why am I screaming? Like the potato, he found a potato and it's huge. And so for the next 30 minutes at every potatoes release from the earth, <laughs> that's engaging in compassionate ministry. Let's pray. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. I thank you that you enable us, you empower us to do your work. That just like we sang, that we can be your hands and feet. Not on our own steam, but through the power of the Holy Spirit. And Father, I invite you now to just please come um, speak to us. I pray that you would speak to to us gently and to us tenderly. Come Lord, we pray. Amen. So we believe that the poor are fiercely loved by God. Fiercely. Do you know how many times he instructs us to defend, help, all other instructions? How many times he brings this up in the whole of scripture? 2,000. 2,000 times. Now as a parent, if you tell your kid something 10 times, you think you're like, whoa, whoa, I told you 10 times. 2,000. 2,000 times. Um, I did not go over all those scriptures this week, um, but I want to encourage you, if you do want to see them, and they're in a just a beautifully organized uh, space, um, if you've heard of Compassion International, if you just Google Compassion International, what does God say about poverty? Compassion International. It gives you this beautiful layout of all 2,000 scriptures, their references, and it has under- wonderful headings. I really would encourage you um, to look at that. Another beautiful thing about um, Compassion International, yeah, they, they deal with children, but they have this marvelous tool that really helps us and informs our ministry to the poor, and it's called the poverty wheel. So I want you to imagine a wheel, like a, a, a bicycle wheel, and in the center of the wheel is, the, is poverty. There's a spoke with health. There's a spoke with education, there is a spoke with social interaction, there's a spoke with environment, there's a spoke with spirituality. What that means is, 
Oh, and, well, what that means is all of poverty affects all those things. And uh, did I say ec economics? That was probably the most obvious. We can't separate those things. We can't just give someone access to education and go, peace out. We can't just give somebody a bag of food and go, done. We can't do that. These things are all interconnected. We don't do it in isolation. You know, we can't even give somebody just Jesus and go, done. James chapter 2, verse 16 says, Dear friends, do you think you'll get anywhere in this if you learn all the right words but never do anything? Does merely talking about faith indicate that a person really has it? For instance, if you come upon an old friend dressed in rags and half-starved and say, Good morning, friend. Be clothed in Christ. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. And walk off without providing them so much as a coat or a cup of soup. What does that get you? Isn't it obvious that God talk with God acts is outrageous nonsense? Ouch. I thought this was a party invitation. It is. It is. You just got to get ready. <laughs> um, it takes all the spokes because the outer rim, it doesn't say abundance. It says enough because that's the opposite of poverty. It is enough. Now, that doesn't mean that this church has to meet all those needs. It doesn't mean that we as individuals have to meet all those needs because Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do the good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. We do the ones he's called us to. Because it is amazing to me how when we, uh, when we do the things that we're called to do, both as individuals and as a church, how one affects the other. How one can open the door for another. Um, we're going to read a scripture today that is the roadmap for that. And it's Acts chapter 3. So I'm going to read this to you. You can open your Bibles, which would be beautiful. Or you can look on the screen. Or however you want to do that. So Acts chapter 3. Starting with verse 1. One day, Peter and John were going to the temple at the time of prayer, at three in the afternoon. Now, a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg those who were going to the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from him. Then Peter said, silver or gold, I do not have, but what I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. And then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. They were filled with wonder and amazement and at what had happened to him. And while the man held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and they came running to the place called Solomon's Colonnade. Do you see what happened there? Peter and John were just going about their business. They weren't at some kind of special event. 
They were just going about their business. My question is, how are these two even friends? Okay, so they were part of the 12, but I mean, think about it. Think about what you might know about the disciples. Peter was Mr. If it's in my head, I'm going to say it, and it's probably not good. <laughs> John was Mr. I'm the disciple who Jesus loved. He's like always sitting with him. I don't think I could be John's friend. <laughs> Real talk. But anyway, look at how Jesus works things out. So they were friends. They were going to prayer together. Um, and the beggar had scoped them out because that was, that was his job. Here's where the shift comes. And I hope that you can, when you go back and read it, you can just feel the earth just, I mean, something just happens. Something mysterious happens when Peter and John, and this is from the scripture, look straight at him. They look at him. Everything is changed in that moment. So I want us to pause from the scripture for just a second and uh, look at our reality. Who do we see? Mm-hmm. When we're going through the drive-through, when we're, um, do you make contact with the person that's handing you your food? Um, when we um, see the guys that stand here in the median at uh, Fury's Ferry, do you look at them? When the guys that are always like on the ramp, when you come down, if you go to the mall, if anybody goes to the mall anymore, um, do, you, do you look at them? Do you see them? When you go to the grocery store, do you see people? Just whenever you are where, just being about your business. So um, in December, we always do this, we have this little family tradition that um, we, take, we press pause on everything for at least one night and everybody gets to pick what their favorite appetizer is and Reese and I make it and we watch a movie and it's called Appetizer Movie Night. Clever, right? And so um, I was running around looking for toast points, which you don't care. But anyway, I had gone to like three different, so remember I told you, persnickety. Um, so I'd gone to this grocery store, which will not be named, because I hate it with all my heart, and that would be ugly to besmirch their name. Just know Reese loves it with all his heart. So anyway, I'm in the unspoken place that just frustrates me beyond words, and I'm looking for the toast points, which of course I can't ever find anything in this store. But anyway, I'm, I'm looking, it's crowded, it's Sunday afternoon, I got to get the things. And I happened to look over, um, I was in the cheese deli area, and you know the big, oh, I don't even know what you call them, they're like carts that have several shelves and you know, they're loaded with stuff and the people put them on the shelf, I don't know what it's called. It's a cart, anyway. It's a cart, and it was laden with things, and I was looking for the toast points, and I'm, there's, of course, there's nobody to even help me because there never is at this store. And I'm looking, and there's one of the, I noticed the big cart because that's how I am. I noticed the big cart. And then I travel, my eyes travel down, and I see at the end of the big cart this woman holding on to the cart, and she, as I look, she just closes her eyes and puts her head on her wrist. And I think, I gotta find those points. <laughs> but I noticed her. And I just, I know me, and I know how the Holy Spirit speaks to me. And when I notice somebody, it means you gotta do something here. And so, you know, we're all masked up. And I just went, I said, Are you okay? She goes, I feel terrible. I said, 
um, can I pray for you? Yes, you can. And so um, I said, can I put my hands on you? Yes, you can. And so I prayed for her and still didn't get the toast points. Um, so anyway, but I did my thing. And it was really funny. Uh, about a week or so ago, I, I was back at said grocery store. And I see this same woman with that same car. And she's like running through the, the whatever. But it was like, okay. And then there was... In November, uh, yeah, November was a big month for me to pray for people. I had to get like all the, uh, a bunch of the food for the outreaches we were doing. As I'm going out, when you have 200 cans of yams, it's a conversation starter. And so, you know how Walmart kind of goes to this thing. Sometimes I check your receipt, sometimes I don't. Well, this is one of the days I did. And so the lady's like, what is all this for? You know, and I could have, I said, I'm a hoarder. I didn't say that. I didn't say that. <laughs> I told her the truth. Um, and she goes, that's just wonderful. And, you know, again, I'm just like, mm. and so I just asked her, I said, hey, can I pray for you? Yeah, you can. And can I put my hand on your arm? Blah, blah, blah. Okay. I tell you that not because I am great or good or brave or bold. I tell you that because the Lord loved those women so much. He interrupted me and my toast point search and me and my, see, I was even doing outreach stuff. Oh, I was getting the stuff. He, inter- he loved them so much that he interrupted me to pray for them. He will do that with every single one of us. Does it with our kids. He, he just does it. We just have to listen. So we have to actually see. We're going to have a listening minute. We have to see. Who do we see? Peter and John saw the man. And you know, this is somebody, it says, it, we have from context, we can tell, this is every day. And so you know how you can pass something every day and you kind of just stop seeing it? They've passed this guy a bunch, but that day, they saw him. They looked straight at him. Regardless of how you feel about much of anything, if you are a follower of Christ... We as followers of Christ are called to value every human from start to finish. It doesn't matter if they stink, if they vote, if they're mean. If, it doesn't matter. You, you don't get to opt out from start to finish. The driving force behind everything we do in all of our outreaches and all of compassionate ministry is to communicate value People go through hard things. And when they are at our food pantry or however we encounter them, it's not our job to judge their, what we would, poor decisions or what we would perceive to be poor decisions. It's our job to love them. It is our job to help them feel seen and to experience connection Brene Brown defines connection as this, the energy that exists between people when they feel seen, heard, valued, when they can give and receive without judgment, when they can derive sustenance and strength from a relationship. Many times in our context, it's not going to be so much a relationship as it is an encounter. And if God loves the poor as much as I know he does to instruct us 2,000 times to, to take care of them, 
then he is going to make sure there is layer upon layer of God whispers and God shouts. Then step two, they spoke to him. They saw him first, then they spoke to him. Do you know that sometimes the kindest thing that you can possibly do is speak to someone? Like even here in this room on a Sunday morning, we have no idea what people walk in here with. We have no idea what the person at Walmart or wherever, we don't know what they're going through. We have no idea. We have no idea what the people are going through that come to our food pantry. Kindness. Are we speaking to them? Are we acknowledging them? The poor are typically invisible. And some of us help build constructs to, we put blinders on. Well, I'm only going to see these people. I can only do these, these things. But being filled with the Holy Spirit shakes all that up. It shakes all that up. So, I don't have to tell you, one of the really nasty things that COVID has done is just create this huge vacuum, this incredible epidemic of loneliness. Um, I don't have to tell you about that. You see it in statistics about every time you open the paper. And I want to tell you, um, texting doesn't fix that. TikTok doesn't fix that. Social media as a whole, <laughs> it, it doesn't fix that. It's not designed to fix that. Peter and John spoke to this man. They were honest. They didn't say, hey, you didn't point him to anything down the street. They didn't, you know, we don't have anything. But what we got is prayer. Then, and to me, the most beautiful part, he's seen, he's spoken to, he is touched. Physically touched. He touched the man. Um, they look right at him. Um, and they took him by the right hand. Now, again, I know that COVID and has put up certain boundaries, and we do have to be careful, um, but I do want you to be aware of this. Um, this is from a study done or a paper published by the um, Texas Medical Center. The term is actually touch starvation. They want to eat, but they can't. Their psyche and their body want to touch someone, but they can't because the fear associated with, in this case, the pandemic. Touch starvation increases stress, depression, anxiety, triggering a cascade of negative, negative physiological effects. Touch starvation. I will tell you, the, the people that I ask, you know, can I pray for you? Um, is it okay if I put my hand on you? They are more shocked that I'm asking permission to touch them than that I'm going to touch them. I mean, they're like, every time, well, of course you can. Like, why do you even ask? Um, and so, but we do need to ask permission. And part of what we do um, in regard to praying for people, and I've mentioned this a couple times in the two examples I gave you, is we follow something called the five-step prayer model. And so... Um, I would like an, a volunteer from the audience because I'm going to demonstrate this. You're gonna, we're going to pray for you. Is anybody willing to do this? I got a backup if you're not, but nobody needs prayer. Quincy. This is Quincy. You should clap for him. You'll come up here.
thank you for doing this. I really appreciate it. Okay, so and what I'm going I'm going to be teaching. You just forget that they're here. You're just going to focus in on Jesus. Okay. All right. Yeah. Okay. So this is our five step. We ask, can I pray for you? Yes, ma'am. Yeah. And in that, um, I will ask you, is it okay if I put my hand on you? It is. Okay. Um, what can I, we, that we ask and then we interview. We don't have to like go, ooh, I wonder what God wants to do here. <laughs> Stop being so weird. Just ask. <laughs> Just ask. Quincy, how can we, I pray for you? Got it. Okay. Um, so what I'm going to ask you to do, why don't you just hold out your hands like you want to receive a gift. You close your eyes, and I'm going to pray. Pray. That's the third step. Then the fourth step, invite the Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Oh, that was a nice chime action. <laughs> you better turn that off, because I'm about to cuss. Come, Holy Spirit. More, Lord. Oh, yeah. There it is. Father, I pray that you just encounter Quincy in ways that he's never encountered you before. Now, the next step is called the check-in. Stop closing your flipping eyes while you're praying. You are missing everything. I'm checking in. I don't know if you can see or not, but his eyelids are fluttering about 800 miles an hour. He's got, remember, they're not here. There's just this peace. All I said was, come Holy Spirit. More, Lord. Father, I pray that... Um, throughout this day, that Quincy will know that you know his name, that he will know that you have plans for him and there are plans to prosper him and not to harm him. Fill him up, empower him as a father, empower him as a friend, just empower him. Come Holy Spirit, in your name we pray, amen. So how was that? Wonderful. Awesome, thank you. Okay, you should scream and clap for him. So that last part uh, was, that's when you just like, okay, you, you see, how did it go? That is legitimate. That's like a follow-up question. Whenever I pray for somebody, well, whenever, typically, um, if somebody is having like a, it was a physical pain, I ask them, okay, so if it was like, if no pain is one and excruciating, you're going to die as a 10, what number are you? And then at that point where I ask Quincy, hey, how was that? Did you experience God? I would say, so where's the pain level? And then lots of times I'll go, well, let's pray again. Let's pray some more. Jesus did that, and I am not Jesus, as I just proved by threatening to cuss. <laughs> he probably did. Anyway, Mom, we don't go into that. Um, but back to the story. Oh, and just that five-step prayer model. Let me talk about that one more, just for another second. Um, it, it just takes all the hype away, takes all the pressure off of you. If you are hiding behind the excuse of, I don't pray well out loud, stop. 
There's nothing. You, just, what does a person ask for? What does your friend ask for? They want this. They, well, just pray that thing. This is not about our eloquence. In fact, it's not about us at all. It is about the Holy Spirit. Remember, he loves not only you, but the other person. He loves that person. So, anyway, it's just, it's just good and helpful, and it just keeps things in a real good pattern. So I want to encourage you to use that. So back to the story. Peter and John, they looked at the beggar. They spoke to the beggar. They touched the beggar. They prayed for the beggar, and the man was healed. In a moment, his entire world was changed. You see, because he was sick, um, he was not allowed in the temple. So he had been denied spiritual access. And we've talked before about how much of community goes on in the temple. So he was denied social interaction. I don't think there was a whole lot of creation care happening in first century Palestine. So he, he literally lived in filth. So that's his environment. Um, probably not educated because he couldn't even go to school. Had no job because he begged. Every spoke on the poverty wheel, he was suffering in all those areas. But after one prayer, everything changed. Every facet of his life changed. Because he was healed, he got to go into the temple. He immediately had access to God, to people, to jobs, to cleanliness because of one prayer. What can one prayer do? What can one bag of groceries do? What can one hot Thanksgiving meal do? What can giving a box of food to empower a family to make their own Thanksgiving meal, what can it do? Um, You don't have to rely on, on the big things that we do here as a church, but we do like to give everybody opportunity, and it really is for everybody. Um, no matter how bold or introverted or if you think there's a Jesus or if you don't, there's a place for you in in compassionate ministry. Um, I just want to real quickly go over the list with you of what we do have, the storehouse. That's everything from picking up groceries three times a week to actually serving on Monday nights and the two Thursdays. The giving farm, that is such a wonderful um, place to serve. Uh, we have quarterly, we open it up to the church, but if you're like a secret gardener, um, I can connect you with Elliot and you can go way more than just once a quarter. Our Thanksgiving gift boxes, that is where we give um, our clients from the food pantry everything they need to make their own Thanksgiving meal. The dinners of love, those are, this year we delivered about 600 hot meals on Thanksgiving morning. Um, Storm, Serving together on a real mission. Remember, I told you in the beginning, these, um, aren't, these values aren't just for you. They're also for your kids. We've been doing STORM for a very long time. It's a half-day outreach day camp. Every day, we do an outreach. And we look on the five-step prayer model. And they're amazing. Our newest um, addition to the lineup is the Family Promise um, Partnership, as well as the Compassion House. Um, please be paying attention for as those things um, come open to you. And then the pride event. Now, I include the pride event not because it falls in this um, category of poverty, but because it falls in the category of serving the outcast. Um, Okay, now I'm going to cry again. 
maybe not. Um, because when we go to the Pride Outreach, there are so many people that we encounter that have been kicked out of their family, they've been kicked out of their home because they uh, are gay. And I firmly believe that uh, we are where Jesus would be. Shoot, I don't want to cry. Anyway, um, but they are literally outcast in the most literal sense of the word. A few years ago, I saw on Facebook how um, some churches went to a pride event, I don't know, somewhere in the Midwest, and they had these shirts that said, free mom hugs, free dad hugs. I went, oh, that's really nice. And then I just went on with getting the Mardi Gras beads. Then the summer after that, this wonderful couple who's away on vacation today, um, Frank and Pamela Bronander, they're like, hey, we saw this. Can we do that? I'm like, yeah, you can. So they did. They had t-shirts. Oh, they said, free mom hugs, free dad hugs. They couldn't stop hugging people. I mean, just the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God. Um, so I want to read a prayer to you. And while I do that, if the worship team wants to come up and if the um, prayer ministry team wants to go ahead and come up, that would be terrific. If everybody wants to stand, there is a prayer um, app. It's called Centering Prayer. And it's part of my practices and rhythms. And there's a prayer that I was like, oh, I need to share this. And the prayer is, oh God, creator and beloved companion, you are the author of being and life. Inspire in me a spirit of devotion, service, and praise that I may give you glory in everything I think, everything I feel, everything I say, and everything I do. Through Jesus Christ, amen.